shortly after, yeah, that was the most interesting one, to be honest. Um, basically, what happened is, um, I picked Mate, up. Hey, Emery, don't tell the story just yet. Yeah, I know. What are we going to do about that? I never had that happen before. So, can we whack it with something? So, welcome. We've got uh, Larry Holman and Emery Allen. Hush uh, Gelden is, Emery. And uh, welcome, Larry. Uh, both of you are recently passed out, uh, so you are what is considered to be butter boys, um, and we want to really discuss today about how you're finding it, what's it like, and um, being new to the trade, uh, was it worth it, and discuss those sort of things, but what I want to start with is, first of all, do you, Larry, do you know where the term butter boy comes from? As far as I know, it's about, it comes from the older guys, um, saying that we're taking their bread and butter so we're butter boys is that not true uh, i don't think so but it is one of the the things and it is i can't prove it but did you did you think the same emory no i thought um is it butter like that we use on the breakfast or is it butter a boy well, i think i mean there's there's been a debate but about 30 years ago there was a small article done in one of the papers where someone done a, a, a little bit of a background on it and it has it does seem to have lost its official concept of where it's come from but for me logically it can't be what you're saying this taking our bread and butter which is what a lot of people think um bread and butter not bread it and makes butter. sense though isn't it? Mm, so well it what makes more sense is if you understand the way people used to speak 30 40 50 60 years ago more likely is the fact that you are just a boy you are but a boy i got you yeah you are but a boy not butter boys right. you are just a boy you've come to this industry you're in it you're just a boy you're but a boy and that kind of vocabulary was frequent i imagine going back to when larry was a kid <clears throat> but that makes sense to you now i mean would you think our grandfathers and our fathers would have spoke a little bit more certainly from the east end which me and you are from yeah it makes sense but it clearly doesn't apply to me then i'm not a butter boy because i've got my badge at 64 so yes no that's true <laughs> i might that be sense. just a boy but uh <laughs> maybe yeah yeah i know you what you are, mean, you're though. a boy in the industry i know what you mean yeah. yeah so i think that's definitely the most likely it sounds much more logical and likely to be the uh, genuine thing that it's supposed to be because taking our bread and butter and, and a, a butter boy doesn't really make sense you're trying to tweak something to fit Whereas the phrase that you are just a boy fits straight mm. away that you are but a boy. Yeah. Anyway, with that aside, uh, Emery, when did you pass out? I passed out uh, end of March this year. Okay, so... 20, uh, no, sorry, it was in direct requisition. Yes. No, 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 not your requisition. No, when did you actually get your badge, start driving? I started driving on the 26th, 25th March was the day I got my badge. Mm -hmm. And the following day, 26th, I've started yeah. Working, yeah and so they've been working hard since then um now and then yeah yeah it's nice but um yeah i enjoy it at the minute okay so march the 25th you've been out since then what's your badge number it's 80721 80721 what's yours larry 613 so what's that between the two of you there's only a hundred so badges not much is it i can't when mid-december yeah um i got my badge so Four months? Yeah. Only a hundred. So four months, hundred badges. Mm. Wow, that's actually quite interesting. So let's get this exactly right. You passed that December. Your badge number is what exactly? 80613. 613. And yours is? 3721. 
721. So about 90 people, is it? No, it's just 90. over 100, 100. There's yeah. 108 badges between December and March. So we now have uh, January, February, March, three to four months of 100 badges. There used to be around 1,000 badges given out each year. And under this scenario, we're down to 400 badges each year. So that's uh, a threefold, at least, decline in the amount of badges given out each year. What was your first job, Larry? First job was uh, a nice man from, it was a Saturday morning, early, and it was from Moorgate, bottom end of Moorgate, London Wall End, uh, to Newgate Street. Ideal first job, mm-hmm. round the corner, four quid, like four pound eighty, something like that. And, um, and he, was, he was fascinated that I told him why he's getting it and whatever, and he insisted on taking a picture with us. So we got out of the cab and stood in front of the cab and got a picture on his phone nice. so he could show his missus. Did he send you the picture? No, I took one myself as well. I don't know if I still got it. So, yeah, £4.80, you, you let him off and it was a very short fare, so he was lucky that it weren't like a, a nice roader. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I don't think I could be honestly able to say whether I would have given a big fare away. Mm. I know you're supposed to, and I think I, I like to think I might have give it away. Yeah, but you know, if you're looking at seventy quid or something out to Heathrow, it's a tough one, and it's very easy to say, "I'll give the second one away." Well, it does depend. Uh-huh. On, yeah. I, I worry about the karma side of it. You know, that does. I was going to say it depends on how much you believe in superstition. Personally, I would be much more inclined to not want anyone to give their fares away, but actually donate it to something more worthy. Mm. Nearly all the time that we're giving a fare away, it's generally to someone who's working in the city with a very nice, expensive suit on, and they're getting something that really they don't need. Um, and I just always thought it'd be much better. You said, listen, you're my first fare. Uh, the fare was this. I'm going to down- donate. If it's £4.80, I'm going to donate £20 to my charity. It would probably yeah. be Great Ormond Street because of my brother. And um, we'd send it there and it would be much more usable yeah. in a sense. Or to, as we've done this week, the Disney trip, you could give it to the uh, cab drivers charities that we have for taking kids away for weekends and stuff like that. So you don't necessarily need to give the first fare for free. It's just if you do believe in certain forms of karma, like maybe you do, Larry, being <laughs> a, being a devout Buddhist, you are <laughs> believing in karma. Um, Emery, what was your first fare? My first fare was uh, from Upper Street, and it was going to, um, I think it was Upper Park Road, uh, down Havistock Hill. And uh, actually... Um, People usually don't forget about the first ferry. I think you remember as well. You probably yeah. do. But yeah. uh, I will never forget my second passenger. The second passenger? <laughs> never. <laughs> it's quite interesting. <laughs> um, uh, so the first fare went well and you did that. Did you give that for free or I not? I did, yeah. I did. Yeah, okay. And then the second passenger was shortly after. Yes. Yeah, so um, I've picked up the gentleman with the two kids and uh, I've dropped them off somewhere in up, Upper Park Road. I think it was just off uh, Havistock Hill. And the fare came to £30. Exactly. Uh, it shouldn't be that thirty pounds, but there was a lot of traffic in the road closure, so I have to go around and all that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I gave the fare away. The guy was, you know, he, he was really surprised and all that. I said, you know, just spend on the kids or something. This is your second fare? No, the first one. Oh wow, you gave away thirty pounds. Yeah, yeah, I gave okay. I gave away, and I said, you know, spend on the kids. And then he was, you know, he didn't know nothing about it. You know, I told him it's the first fare we always get away. He didn't know, so he was so happy. Anyway, so I've um, dropped him off. Came back down um, Regent's Park and then I came to uh, Park Road and I thought, 
go Arsenal place and I just go Malibon High Street and uh, stopped at the traffic lights at the um, Arsenal place and then uh, to my right there's a couple came in and then they waved they said, they said to me free I said yeah I am so they jumped in <clears throat> and uh, they wanted to go to Houston Station and I said okay and then um, the gentleman started talking to me he said how's your day and all that and I said to be honest it's my first day and uh, you're my second passenger and then he said, oh, I should have been your first passenger. I want to be your first passenger. I said, sorry, why? He said, then you would never, you know, you'd never forget me, you know, if I was your first passenger. I said, well, you just missed it by one. And then uh, he said, so how was your first job? And I started, I started explaining to him. I said, I picked the guy with kids and then uh, dropped them off. And uh, he said, how much was the fare? I said, it was 30 pounds, but I gave it away. He said, why'd you give it away? He said, it's the first job. It's traditional. Yeah. Yeah, we can't, we, we don't charge. Oh, he said, you know, that's nice of you. The lady said, it's very nice of you. And then he said, uh, you know what? Um, when we get to um, Houston Station and uh, we're going to pay the fare, and plus on top of that, we're going to give you the 30 pounds as well that you gave away. I said, no, you shouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah, we're going to do that. And they were a really nice couple. Mm -hmm. And then when we got there, um, I stopped at the thing at the Houston Station at the drop-off. I just got tried to get my hand on the stop the meter. I realized that I didn't even start starting. <laughs> <laughs> Did it happen to you as well? I've done it all three, four time. times. You know that. Yeah, all the time. It. It's three it's times like yesterday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then started I didn't start it. And then he goes, you know what? I just stick a 10 pounds on there. And plus I want to, I want to pay you the 30 pounds. I said, no, you shouldn't. He said, no, he paid me the 10 pounds yeah. uh, for the fare from there. And then he gave me 30 pounds cash. He left on the uh, way to put the yeah. cash in. So, um, yeah, I was so, so you're never going to forget your second fare. Yeah, he succeeded in his mission yeah. and been never forgotten. And, uh, he did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, exactly. uh, and you've so, got um, the meter to switch the meter, the meter on. Yeah. And you've, with your experience of just one fare, you've got no idea of how to judge what the yeah, price would be exactly, for that yeah. kind of journey. He, he, he suggested that 10 pounds should be fine. I said, yeah. He said, no, actually, as he said, 12, something like that. I said, no, no, okay, just 10 pounds. But then after that, I thought, why did I take that 10 pounds? He paid me 30 pounds anyway. Yeah, I yeah. should have taken it. Yeah, it's true. It's should, like have, it, should have said the fare's free. Yeah. And the 30 I pounds have, I'll give for the first I never fare. thought about that at that moment. I thought, I shouldn't have taken his 10 pounds. Wow. But then it just happened. But uh, they were a really nice couple all the way through. We just talked Well, if we find out who they are, you can send them his 10 pounds back. How can I find that out? We might be it might be a fan oh. of the podcast. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Also, place the Houston station. There's a fifty-fifty chance it could be one of the two people who watch this. Yeah, yes, one or two. Uh, yeah, fifty-fifty. Ah, oh, but that is actually quite excellent. I mean, yeah, you are right. You perhaps should have. So yeah, I mean, I gave the first job away thirty pounds, got it back straight away. <laughs> Luck yeah. of the Turkish, eh? Yeah, they must have liked you. You must have done a good job. So yeah, they dear. liked me. They were they were a really nice couple. We just talked both of them. Very nice. And how are you finding it in terms of the roots that you're using? Do the roots relate to what you would have used uh, when you was practicing your point to point on daily re daily revision on the point sheets? Not quite. No, it doesn't. Um, is you would you say it's much much easier? What what we drive we, is much easier. Yeah, I should say. But you see, then again, um, when you you start you start the journey and then you've got a plan in your head but then on the way halfway through you can just change it mm -hmm. wow i should go from here then you can just change on the way yes. but say for instance um if you if you if i'm picking up someone from paddington station i'm just going to go down 
Malibu Road, Houston Road to go to the city. It's quicker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but in the knowledge, we don't do that, do we? No, and the other thing we wouldn't do is if we were traveling along, let's say, from Marylebone Station, that when we want to go somewhere roughly south, and as we're traveling along Marylebone Road, uh, we might be thinking about shall I turn right in Marylebone High Street, shall I turn right into Harley Street? Your, mm. your right turns are going to crop up and yeah, all of them are going right. to give you the same result. So you're kind of not so stressed about trying to do any of it and it becomes a lot more relaxed. But you also do tend to think a lot more about what's going to have a bus lane in it? What's going to be moving for me rather than me going towards something that got stopped? This brings me to my first fare, which was um, East Smithfield to Victoria Station, which was relatively easy. Top marks for memory. Yes. <laughs> but it was um, the fact about the fare, which, which taught me something on the very first day. I think I've mentioned this on another podcast. It was the fact that when I got to the turning of right into Northumberland Avenue, which would be my inclination, knowledge-wise, was to turn right Northumberland Avenue, go up the Mall, and come out at Victoria Station and probably drop off, uh, as you would do now in Buckingham Palace Road, just drop them off the left, they could walk through. But on the knowledge, we'd have to get them into the bit more of a better set-down. Yeah. But when you get to Northumberland Avenue, you think about turning right, you suddenly realise, isn't it going to be better if I just carry on towards Bridge Street and go around Parliament Square? Because as you go up Northumberland Avenue, aren't I going to be sitting... Yeah. quite a while to get across the lights and even then and you suddenly get these dilemmas at the worst possible time because you're at the light now and you need to make a choice of either carrying on straight or going right i don't actually remember if i went right or went straight i just remember the dilemma uh, but i think now you start to change the way you drive you do think about what's the simplest and the most practical for this particular situation and you start to become more and more aware of little glitches in the traffic system where you are going to get stuck longer the normal. Yeah, I mean, in that particular scenario, now I tend to go straight on past Northumberland Avenue and then I go right horse guards, yep. left Whitehall, I go around Parliament Square that way. That way you cut out the hold up that you get in Northumberland Avenue, which yep. is pretty bad most of the time. There's always got a long queue to turn right into Northumberland Avenue. It's longer than it used to be yep. years ago when you was uh, first started because you've now got the cycle lane going east. Yes. You've got a set of lights for that. And you've got a set of lights for the traffic. And so consequently, turning right into Northumberland Avenue, you can have 30, 40 cars waiting to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I just, I just go past that, horse guards and Whitehall, yeah. usually to get through to Victoria. Mm. Um, but have your routes changed then, Larry, in terms of the respect of what you would have think you would? Because you was very pedantic on the knowledge. Yeah. You're super pedantic. Um, so now as a taxi driver, do you see it completely different? Do you think... Yeah. Completely different. It's like you've said in the past that you, you do the knowledge to pass the examination, not to become a cab driver. It doesn't take you very long once you get out. It doesn't take you long to realise if you're picking up from King's Cross and you're going over to Knightsbridge, you're Marylebone Road, Baker Street, Orchard Street, Green Street, Park Lane, Hyde Park Corner. Mm -hmm. Every time, yeah. without fail. That nobody want, no one, None of your passengers want to be cutting through the West End and getting held up in every other... Mm -hmm street that you go into yeah there's roadworks and everything you've got the bus lane baker street's never that bad green street park lane park lane's always a delight yeah nine 99 times out of 100 i mean so you just you're gonna take the easiest route yeah but it's not just easy for you it's better for the customer you, yeah you will put more money on the meter yeah. going through the middle than you will from the extra mileage of going malibu yeah. road baker street yeah, I think I think they 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 pay they intend to pay more if you if they stuck in the cab more, isn't yeah. it? Like you st you stuck in the yeah. traffic. So every time we stuck in the traffic, if I um 
or for the customer to you want me to go around quicker and they always say yes yeah they never said no so I always use the alternative route. I mean, it's quite funny because it's longer, but knowledge-wise, there's an abundance of routes that would come up shorter that are all going through Piccadilly Circus. Whether they're coming down Shaftesbury Avenue or going yeah. back up, and um, whether they're coming down St. James's Street into Marlborough Gate, Marlborough. And yet, in real life, it, that's the avoidance. Mm. If you certainly certain times of night, certain times of day, you, you go all wide of that every single time. Yeah. So these are the things we can pick up as we pass out. Now, in that respect, uh, I'll start with you, Emery. Um, are you enjoying it, and was it worth it? Well, it's definitely, it was definitely worth it. And uh, I mean, I've I've passed out in three years. Even if I've passed out in like four years and five years, I've, I still think it was worth it. Yeah. And uh, I do enjoy it. Well, sometimes uh, you do feel a bit lonely. Uh, it's a lonely job you're on your own, <clears throat> but. Um, most of the times I tend to speak to the passengers like yeah. throughout the journey, then time goes by. It's when a funny, you, yeah. Talk to them, yeah. This is a, a, a thing that's really to do with each individual because I absolutely feel no loneliness at all when I was driving the okay. cab. I really just enjoyed being on my own. It's <laughs> <Is laughs> like, okay. a chance to be on I your own. And I used to sometimes get annoyed with uh, the fact that I used to like listening to something that would pass the time. And whenever football was on the radio, I'm not a massive football fan, but when football was on the radio, it was easily listening, easy listening. And someone would get in the bag and always say, what's the score? So you turn it down and say, oh, it's 1-0, and it's okay. So I turn it back up. And uh, are they playing well? You turn it down, you think like, can I just listen to the football? Yeah, you just sit in the back. I'll take you where you're going. Just let me be. How rude. Yeah, I know, I know. But I don't <laughs> want to have particularly a conversation. They get in the cab and you know, I suppose it's part of our job is to be sociable, but. I'm passing the time listening to the radio and I enjoyed my own company a little bit there. So the loneliness part does affect a lot of people, but not me. Did you, Larry, you get lonely? I love my own company. Same as me. Don't, I don't get affected by loneliness at all. So Now that part of it, I don't mind. I found around 50% of the passengers really want a, a good chat and 50% don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I just go with the flow. You can generally tell within 10 seconds yeah. of getting in the cab, whether they want to talk or not. Sure. If they want to talk, I'll talk hind legs off a donkey. Yeah. If they don't, I'll leave them to it. Quite. If you look in your mirror and you see them looking down at their phone, they don't want to talk to you. Yeah. They're on social media or they're emailing or doing whatever. You don't instigate the conversations, do you? Often I will. I'll yeah. ask them how their day's been and stuff like that. That's the first question, and that's when you know whether they want to talk or not. Mm. If you're getting one-word answers, they don't want to talk. Quite simple, and I'll leave I'll leave them to it. That's fine. But you like the conversation, Emery? Yeah, yeah. It's it's making it more enjoyable. I always, as as Larry said, you can understand that in five ten seconds that yeah. they want to speak or not. And there's, he said, as he said, usually they're on the phone. But if it's a group of them, obviously they talk to each other. Yeah. So. Um, so I know with people listening who are interested in this, they're going to be interested in a few things, and one of the things they're going to be interested in is how much you earn. Was the was it financially worth it? What you're earning at the moment? It is, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and for you, Larry, would you agree with that or not? You was a rich man before you started. You don't think it's financially worth uh -huh. it? I don't earn as much as I used to earn. Yeah, um, but I don't do as many hours as I used to. So it, it swings and roundabouts. It swings. You have good days, bad days. Um, it's definitely worth it. You know, you. But I used to earn a reasonable amount of money. So yeah, and that just finished they closed the site so that's well that ain't coming back option. is it so, that's not yes. coming back yeah. as in terms of um a new career at the age that i was i'm never going to beat it 
Yeah. I don't think I could have. It took me a long time working in uh, in the company that I was in to, to work my way up that little ladder and get to the level of earnings I was on. <coughs> that, that weren't going to happen again at 62 years old, was yeah. it? No. So, no, this is a good, good option, and I earn well. You've raised a good point there because it's something I've often said as well, and I had said it this week to a guy who emailed in. Uh, he said he's 56, same age as me, and I said... Uh, I'm, I'm old, what do I do? And it's like, <clears throat> it's a really no-brainer. You are not going to qualify to do anything else. This is the absolute perfect scenario. Mm. You have to go away and you have to train for it. But at our age, at this age, you can't go back to university, do a degree and become a doctor or whatever it is that you wanted to do. The, the dream life is over. Now this is the reality. And doing the knowledge at 50 or even 60 is the absolute perfect opportunity to gain the freedom and a secure and um, well-paid job for the latter part of our years as a working person. So it's a, such a strange one where some people think that they're too old. Maybe they're just too lazy at that age in their life to actually do something to make a change. That's possible. I mean, what you've said is just right. It's the perfect time, especially if you're in a position where you can focus on it mm -hmm. completely. Now, a lot of the younger guys who've got a couple of kids and a wife and, and you know, life, they, they, they struggle to find the right amount of time to, to be doing the knowledge. If you're 56 years old, your kids are grown up and gone. Yep. You know, you might have a wife at home, you might not. You're going to have the time to focus on it seven days a week, 12 hours a day, don't miss about. Yeah, You'll get through it quite quickly. So personally, Larry, how old were you when you actually passed out? What was the... 64 and a half 64 years old larry yeah. to to do this at that stage in life um there is no other way nothing else you would have done it is the perfect scenario for you yeah. now it's done and it's out of the way and i know from my experience of working with you on the knowledge you you applied yourself and one of the best ways to get through the knowledge is to allow it as quickly as possible to get under your skin mm -hmm. and to just let it be the hobby and the more it becomes that super hobby, the quicker it's over and done with. Um, Emery, how old are you? Uh, 46. Oh, well, you're looking good for 46. Yeah, I'm going to be 47 fella. next month. Well done, Sam. Next son. month will be 47, yeah. So you did it, though. Unlike Larry, Larry was on his own, his children all grown up. You did it with the children and the wife. And, yeah, uh, I did. Well, to be honest, uh, this is my second attempt. Uh, right. I had a first attempt to do the knowledge back in uh, 2007. And uh, I couldn't cope with it that time, hmm. and because of the uh, yeah the family and the financial wise, <clears throat> I had to I was working full uh, part time, uh, and doing the knowledge part time, but it didn't work out. Turned out to be full time, and then yeah. and just lost interest. But then ten years after, he came back again, and and this time, uh, I was more focused yeah. to do it, and uh, I had the right guidance. Yeah few months after i started from you then he worked out really good for me and then uh and here i am yeah I got the well done at the end well done mm -hmm. you three years and delary how long did it take you two years eight months two years eight months yes start but to finish. was it also your second attempt it was my second attempt yeah the first the first attempt was a few years ago i can't remember yeah. how long it was about maybe 50 something yeah early awkward. 50s and um I, I start, started it then because the company I was working for, they made some changes in there and I really got the ump with them. And I thought, I just, I don't need this. 
so I thought I'll have a go at the, uh, at the knowledge. Yeah. And I got to the point, I actually done everything that you need to do, and I got to my, my first appearance was actually booked. And then I just emailed and said, I'm, I'm dropping it, coming out of it. I felt as though I'd settled down a little bit in the company I worked for, but I felt as though I was missing out on life as well. There was a lot of things that I wasn't doing. That I was young enough, I should be doing it. Yeah. So, um, so I just knocked it on the head. It was a bit silly, really. I regretted doing it afterwards, to be honest with you. But having said that, things got better in the company I was working for. If they hadn't shut it, I'd probably stay there till I died. Yeah. On your next second attempt, did you do it full time? Yeah. And Emery, did you do it full time on your second attempt? I initially started part time until the uh, appearances. Yeah. And on the appearances, after start doing appearances, I start full time. Yeah. yeah. I have the utmost respect for people who do do it part time. Because it's so hard to it do. It is, definitely. Um, and if you do it full time, it will substantially reduce the years that you're doing the knowledge because your focus and your ability to uh, enjoy it. There's a there's a space and room to enjoy it and space and room to find a little bit of time to relax, whereas when you're doing it part time. Um, what it would have been for me and you, Larry, if we was doing it full time and we didn't have our families or anything else. But if you're still doing it full time on the knowledge and you have a family and young children you've still got that extra work. And if you've then got a job as well as a family and young children to take care of, then my goodness, that's... I, I honestly don't know how they do it. No, I don't know how they do it at all. I know some guys take four, five, six years, seven years sometimes, and I can only able to get through it as quickly as it could be. It's 12 hours a day, seven days a week, no breaks, no mm -hmm. mucking about, just get on with it. And then the COVID thing come along, just about, as I was finished being the bulk of the bike work, all your runs, all your pointing and everything like that. And I was kind of ready to be coming to the school. I remember this really, really well when we was down at uh, Connaught Road. And I, and I so I'm not going to the school because I don't want to catch it. It was the early days of yeah. when it was serious, if you call it. And I thought, I'll go the wrong way with that. So I just did the same work as I would have done at school at home. But, as well as liking my own company, I work very, very well on yeah. my own as well. I'm quite um, disciplined in that respect. So I'd be up at 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock every day, cup of tea, get up the map, working on all the questions. Luckily, the examiners were putting out questions right the way through the, yeah. the uh, COVID lockdowns. And then, in a lot of ways, that was a bonus to me because mm. I did so much map work, it weren't true. Mm. Doing like 10, 11 hours a day of map work answering every question right up to the 21s even when i was on 20, uh, 56s i'd advise all that to questions. anyone anyway i'd all always advise answer all the questions do as yeah. many questions as you can practice that taking some notice of the questions level isn't really beneficial if the questions are going to get harder then surely practice the harder questions so that you're ready for when they come exactly. and if they are harder then it makes the easy questions easier because you're able to answer harder questions so it, you should always be trying to push further you did make me think of something i used to tell lots of students in the early days which you, you don't actually need a school and not everybody needs a school but you do need to be a person that knows how to work on your own and you need to be disciplined on your own and what the school does give you is that ability to interact and you can be a little bit less and a little bit more relaxed about the discipline because you're going to go to the school and the, everything seems to take off. Whereas when you do work at home on your own, you can find yourself making too much tea and watching too much telly and having too many breaks 
Whereas when you go to the school, you tend not to. You came to the school, Emery, and uh, I was I was at the school every day, mm. literally, apart from uh, Saturdays and Sunday, I used to go out do pointing. Yeah, and uh, you see, this is the thing. Um, I think most people get deterred by not doing the knowledge because they think it takes three, four years. Mm-hmm. Yes, and Larry passed out two two years and eight months. Yep, and I think we were on the same time, so we had to, we were. Um, affected by the COVID. Yeah. So our uh, appearances were cancelled. So we lost a bit of time to happen. Yeah, you lost a lot so, of time. So if, if our appearances were never cancelled, maybe you see Larry's going to finish in like maybe two years. Two years. And I was going to finish in two and a half years. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, I'm sorry, interrupting. That's a maybe. I'm going to say that's a maybe. Because I honestly think I'm, I wouldn't have done so well in appearances without that huge amount of map work I was able to do in the lockdown. Oh, you talk well, about you the first did nothing else, yeah. You well, did nothing else. I'm going to say you're speculating there on yourself because you've got such high standards for yourself. Uh, but I know that your level was above and beyond I much earlier so than you think. I think. So I think you'd have been fine. <laughs> I think du- during the two years in the school, Larry was the... Um, I think the top, the best. No, no, I've ever no, seen. no, no. Larry was a go-to, but the thing he is, was, was what good. you need on the knowledge is always someone who has a high degree of pedanticism that's um, thorough and checked things because we all carry information, but we all need someone to reassure or someone who's actually been and seen it or will go and see it. And if you said something to Larry that he didn't know, I know the next day he'd be out there trying to look for it to find mm. out so that it's then in his memory and it'd be in my memory too. So being pedantic on the knowledge is one of the things that I've seen with many students that's a big plus point for them. Um, at the same time, we need a little bit of talent. Definitely. And then we need a lot of luck. And the luck comes down luck. to the Hard string work. of appearances that you get and the events that happen on the way through. Um, we, you know, you've got lots of family disasters and personal disasters that can happen that are all going to hinder you. And I do think... It would be lovely to have done this when I was 21. I did it when I was 26, I think. Um, but to do it when I was 21 would have been perfect um, and get it out of the way before life's commitments overtake. Because as you get a little bit older, houses and renting and buying and children and wives and everything else makes it much, much more difficult to do. Yeah. <clears throat> How old are your kids, Emery? Uh, 16 and 9. Wow. So... Yeah, when I started the knowledge, my daughter was six, and son was thirteen. Yeah, and I remember. Um, well, um, when I remember when I got my first D, um, that was uh, on my seventh appearance. So I had four appearances on the fifty sixes, and then two nil up on the twenty eighths. So six in a row I scored. So uh, every time I come home, I'm scored, and the kids are happy. So. Um, when I scored D uh, for the first time, and uh, I phoned the wife and I said I didn't score today, she didn't believe me. I said no, I didn't score. So when I got when I got back home, and my daughter just came and hugged me, ah, uh-huh, you know, so that gave me so much strength, you know. <laughs> Wonderful. Because that was the first D, and then Arika. she said, "Dad, don't worry." And then um, yeah, that gave me a bit more determination. Yeah, I did score D again after it was not, not straight after, but we had the next one. I scored A. Yeah. So I was 2-1 up on the 21s, sorry, 28s, and then I dropped down to 21s, yeah. yeah. And then just had another six appearances on the 21s, and then I was out. Yeah. So I had about 14 appearances in total. Mm. That's it. What was yours then, Larry? What number of appearances? Yeah. 11. 11? Yeah. 
So in a sense, what would be nice here is to express the fact that the knowledge can be done relatively quickly and is becoming uh, maybe hopefully more common, but it isn't done quickly if you are not applying yourself. There still is the application that you need to put into. Mm -hmm. So we are concluding that you being full time does help. Um, I think going to a school or being interacting with other people that are doing the knowledge does help. Um, and then as we say, the little bit of luck, um, I think you both had lucky appearances at some stage. What do you, what do you mean by luck? You mean well, the appearance, you know, you could literally by the examiner, or you the could be the one, wrong person in the wrong order. And for example, you could be going in at the moment with a particular examiner in this at 11 o'clock. Had you gone in at 11.15, you'd have scored. You went in at 11 o'clock, you're not scoring. So there's a luck between, you want to know the answer to every question you're asked. With The more you practice, the more questions you can know the answers to. But on some occasions, the appearance that's about to happen is a physical impossibility to score upon no matter who you are. And if that appearance is lottery ticketed to you, then you're not going to score. So there's the luck of when and how many of these did you fall upon. And, and, and secondary to the ele that element of luck is no matter how much you've focused or concentrated, how hard you've worked, no one knows everything. Yes. And quite often it is a case of you know the answer to the question he's asking you. Whereas it could be a slightly different question and you could crash because there's something there that you, you don't know about. I found this when I started coming to the school and I started working with Joe. Pulled me up on so many things. That you didn't know had changed or were closed. It, it, it and was a two-way street. We helped each other. But I always hold that Joe, everyone else knows stuff that you don't know. Yes. It's as simple as that. Nobody knows everything. And that is one of the big, big benefits of a school. Yeah. Interacting. It's yeah. populated with people who know things that you don't. Mm -hmm. So you all help each other. It's just, it does raise a story for me where um, I had a student that was... He was a very nice guy. I really liked him, but he was very egotistical and, and couldn't accept what he didn't know. Um, and someone had been asked, uh, Ashmore Cottages. And I thought, I don't know Ashmore Cottages. And I asked a few people and they didn't know it. And when I asked him, he said, yeah, I know it. Yeah, yeah. And I said, well, they're saying that it's Ashmore Cottages because I, I had some extra information. They're saying it's in Providence Place. Do you know Providence Place? Uh, Upper Street, next to the cinema, the screen oh. on the green. Yes, I know which one you're talking about now. Yeah. Is, is that where I, it is? I recall it now. I recall it. Yeah, Tiny yeah, little yeah, alley. Yeah, little alley. Yeah. I think it's called Providence Place. I'm not sure you fit a taxi down No, there. no, no, you wouldn't yeah. fit. But down there, so the student was asked, down there was a point. It's not There's there anymore. Point, yeah. Yeah. It's the National Asthma Campaign. Now, I don't know where the National Asthma Campaign is now, but the National Asthma Campaign was in Providence Place. Mm -hmm. I hope we're getting it right with the name of Providence Place because I've pulled that out from... 30 years of um, memory of thinking that's what it's called and I think I'm roughly correct but the student uh, had conveyed it when they come out as Ashma, Ashmore Cottages so the National Asthma Campaign had changed into Ash, Ashmore Cottages Ashmore Cottage. and when I've said it to the student he couldn't accept he didn't know it so he'd rather say yeah I know it yeah it's down there so I said to him what so Ashmore Cottages is in Providence like, yeah yeah it's down there it's down there it's on the right hand side okay and then it dawns on us the what what the misinterpretation is the word has been kind of 
twisted and it's the national asthma campaign. So now you have a student that's actually claiming to know something because they can't accept they don't. When this place doesn't obviously exist, it's a complete misnomer. So you've got to drop your ego on this thing and just accept that you don't know everything and none of us do. But did you have the feeling when you finished that there was still something you was meant to learn? There's still further you should have gone. Well, I think that there's over, they were over 10,000 points, haven't they? Like, um, I think I've, 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 I've never pointed all of them. No. I've, I've done about 6,000, I'm guessing. In and general, uh, yes, considered 6,000 is enough, plenty, and will be like more that, of yeah. a conclusive number in the future. But uh, people do go as far as 10,000 and 15,000, but the, the more points that you know in terms of that realm usually means you've been doing the knowledge a lot longer. Not that you're actually yeah, better true, at it. It just means you've had to chase sense. more points over more time. Yeah. You should, if you finish quickly, you would finish with about 6,000 points. Yeah, generally about 6,000 of them. Yeah. Um, maybe um, north part of London, I was a bit weak. Mm. So how many I times? How many times have you had a fear going to Halsden and Wilsden? None. <laughs> Larry, you Harrow, had any? Harrow, I've been to Harrow a few. I've had about three or four. Not a lot. Yeah. Not a lot in the big swing of things but i i did it um i didn't do it the whiz m way i did it the whiz larry way it was larry <laughs> slightly adjusted it. um only because i know myself and i know how i work how my brain works i've told you this before i'm sure um i went and did all of the runs and all of the points yeah. before i applied for even the map test yeah not saying this is the right way to do it it's the larry way to do it yeah just because of the way my brain works so uh, uh, having done all of the points, you then start um, doing the daily sheet and there's loads and loads of points come up on there that you haven't pointed, you've never been to. Yes. So Did that not make you realise that you perhaps wasted your time doing no, the no, points? No, 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 not at all. Not at all. Because I would utilise Saturdays and Sundays out on the bike. I'd make a list right the way through the week, doing every question on the daily sheet and any point that I didn't know, I'd make a note of. Then I'll go and so see them the weekend. Making a bike list, yes. So weekend after weekend after weekend, I would go and visit all these new points that I didn't know. Yeah, but you could have been visiting them much sooner had you not been mucking about pointing points that no one was asking from your Blue Book runs. You could have finished the runs quicker and started pointing from the daily sheets and working currently with stuff that's absolutely up to date. So your Wiz Larry way is definitely something that would have taking you longer to complete your overall goal had you not done that because you have found points that no one's asking and then when you look at the daily sheets you're seeing what is being asked and the only thing that's important to us is what are they asking we can try and know every single point in london if you want to but it's irrelevant to us because how much of these points have come up in terms of your day-to-day -day working life it's very very strange you say that <laughs> <laughs> and fortuitous for me as an example um one of the points in the original points books was the Oriental Club in Stratford Place. Yes. I don't recall ever seeing that come out on a daily sheet. You're joking. And I've been there twice. Okay. The Oriental Club, I mean, obviously I knew it would have come out often. And it's funny with points, how they have uh, eras. So the, I'm shocked that it hasn't come out for a while. Did I you don't know the Oriental Club? I don't Club? recall seeing it. Oriental Club yeah. in Stratford Place, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, so it would have come out for you to know it. Yeah, I would knew it, yeah. Yeah. So it, you might not have seen it often then, Larry, but it has it's got to be a regular point. As well as about, when I did it, there was about uh, half a dozen definitely points in Stratford Place. Mm. There was yeah. one, there's an orchestra, there's yeah, the, a yeah. high commission. Yeah, There's quite a few 
to yeah. your free high commissions there, isn't it? Is it Botswana? Yeah, no, it's not Botswana. Is it, oh, yeah, Stratford Place, Botswana High Commission, Stratford Place. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was Botswana. I've still got it. I, for some reason, <laughs> I had a T, a T in my uh, in my mind. Tanzania, like, like Tanzania, or something like that. But maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, but um, I'd be surprised if I'm wrong because that'd be the first time since 1976, the last time I was it's, wrong about something. But what surprises me is how often I I take passengers to points that I've learned on the knowledge. Mm-hmm. And that's quite nice. It's quite nice to just go, yeah, you ain't got to think about it. You ain't got to look it up. You ain't got to say, what street is that in? Yeah. You just go there. And that's quite nice. Um, but also, I think more important than that is the amount of places I ask you to go to that you will never have learned on the knowledge. Mm-hmm. Addresses mostly. Yes. Talking about. And streets. And streets that you won't have been to. You mm-hmm. just won't. You, you know yourself. You've, you've said it. Uh, you, you've finished the knowledge. You might have seven or 8,000 roads under your belt, out of 28,000. So the vast majority of them you've never been to, you've never heard of. So you have to be saying, oh, what, what's that offer? What's that offer yeah. kind of thing? Yeah, do you find it as well that you learned, uh, I mean, you've both not been out super long, but you'll be going up London Bridge and Liverpool Street and then a lot of fares will go to streets around Clapham. And as you're going to these streets around Clapham, they're all side streets that you've never heard of before. And then you can pop back into town and the very next person jumps in wants to go exactly to the street that you've just been to and learnt a week before. And so, so your your knowledge is always expanding from the jobs that you're doing. Yeah. Definitely. I've been to the same fr- same place three times in one shift. Mm-hmm. I've never been to before, never been to since. That That's quite uncanny when they do Yeah, that. yeah no, that's, that's the law of averages. It's going to happen sometime. Tune into next week's podcast for part two of Butterboys where they discuss how much they earn and was it worth it.